At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 94 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And... Listen, it is a busy time in the National Football League with blockbuster trades, all sorts of rumors, and with that said, there is nobody better to have on the podcast than our guy Mike Florio. He runs Pro Football Talk. You see him on NBC, on Football Night in America. Mike Florio is the absolute best, and he has an incredible book out playmakers how the nfl really works and doesn't mike is also pretty remarkable story his entire career how he got started how he grew pro football talk how he became a television personality and insider and it is all there in this incredible interview that we have with mike florio and you know not that i ever need a reason to have mike florio on but it does go noted last week I felt like the two of us were the only two people who understood that when Pete Carroll was telling the press at the Combine that they didn't have any intention of trading Russell Wilson, of course they were trading Russell Wilson. In fact, go back to the Adam Shine podcast over the last 365 days. And Bob Stew, our senior executive producer of the Adam Shine podcast, and of course, of Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. He put together a great intro to start our radio show on Wednesday, the 9th of March, after the Russell Wilson trade happened the afternoon the day before. Listen, I, I told you, I guaranteed it. For the last 365 days, for the last 12, 13 months, there was no chance Russell Wilson was going to be on the Seahawks roster in 2022. Go back to last offseason in February, March 2021, where Russell Wilson begged for a trade. He ripped his offensive line. Pete Carroll and Russ didn't get along. And I told you that he would get traded either in March of 2021 or by latest March 2022. And what happened with the Seahawks in 2020 when they won the division, that was a fluke. And people overreacted to that, including the Seahawks, who kept the band together for one more year, even with that ill-fated Jamal Adams deal where they gave up two first-round picks. They needed to break the whole thing down in order to build it back up. And listen, you had Russ, who wanted to cook, and you know he's feuded with offensive coordinators, and Pete Carroll wants to run the football, and... You know, this was a no-brainer. And the fact that Russell Wilson goes to Denver, 
I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate win, 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 win. It is a win for Seattle. They got a haul with uh, a couple of first-round picks, a couple of second-round picks, you know, a couple of solid players. You know, they get Drew Locke, who's the equivalent of a tomato can at the quarterback position. But uh, Seattle made a hell of a trade. The Russell Wilson leg of this is great. The Broncos, he's going to be in position to win and be relevant and dominant again. Russ is a first-ballot Hall of Famer, still in the prime of his career. Denver's the big winner in terms of how you grade the teams and how you grade everybody in involved because Denver is going to be a Super Bowl contender and I win I've been screaming this I get all these tweets from all these you know podcast listeners and you know viewers on time to shine we we had a a video we did a topic on time to shine a few weeks ago you know on the football Friday before the final game of the season I said enjoy Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner one last time in a Seattle uniform because you'll never see it again I mean, you you guys were mean and nasty with the comments. We retweeted it. Go check it out on my Twitter feed, at Adam Shine. I was right that the comments are hilarious. I mean, Adam, you're craving attention. Adam, you're an idiot. You're a moron. How'd you get this job? I'll bet my student loans Russell Wilson's playing for the Seahawks in 2022. No, here's hoping you can still afford college because, I mean, this was the easiest prediction in the 93-episode history of the Adam Shine podcast, the 17-year history of Shine on Sports, and the seven-year history of Time to Shine. So, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it was the easiest prediction if you're paying attention. Seattle got a heck of a deal. I understand the emotions. You know, that's a mini-dynasty. I've always argued that. A mini-dynasty, what they were able to do every year, win 10 games, be in the mix to be in the Super Bowl. You know, won one, should have won, could have won another. I mean, that was a tremendous run. I feel bad for the Seahawks fans. We talked to Hope Solo about this on the podcast last week. You know, everyone loves Russ. Bobby Wagner is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Both have a lot of good football left. I mean, it's it's obviously a, a situation where you're going to see Wagner sign somewhere and shine. And obviously, you're going to see everything going on with with Russ in Denver. This is a major win for the Broncos. They haven't had a quarterback since Peyton Manning left after Super Bowl 50. I mean, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch. You know, you think about Trevor Simeon, Mark Sanchez. You know, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke were an atrocious combination. Team is loaded. You know, they, they are ready to rock and roll. I love the Nathaniel Hackett hire. I was a tremendous hire. I've known Nathaniel since he was the Cuse offensive coordinator under Doug Marone years ago. Love Javante Williams at running back. He's a stud. Hackett's going to let Russ cook. He'll set up some play action with Williams, and, you know, he'll throw the ball, Russ will, to Jerry Judy, who's ridiculously talented. Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, our guy, Timmy Patrick. Offensive line is solid. Defense is loaded. Pat Sertan's unbelievable and listen George Payton the outstanding GM who made this trade he still has a bushel of picks coming up in this draft including a second rounder and it's a low second rounder but if they want they can combine a couple of picks trade up and get someone they want at the beginning of round number two I I can't stress enough how genius this is for the Broncos Vegas has Denver right now at the fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl that's what this is. It's a Super Bowl caliber move for the Denver Broncos. Not that I'm picking them and the division is ridiculously tough, 
but they are in the conversation. Buffalo, to me, is still the team to beat in the AFC, but, you know, you have the Broncos, you have the Chiefs, you have the Chargers, and not necessarily in that order as three teams out of the AFC West that can that can win the Super Bowl. And Kansas City needs help on defense. And, you know, the Chargers needs cats to stop the run. And, you know, the Raiders are still in this conversation. I think that division, you know, I think it deserves to be considered the greatest division in the history of the NFL at the quarterback position with four Pro Bowlers, four stars. I mean, a few years ago, I voted Derek Carr MVP. Derek Carr just threw for over 4,000 yards. And in a year where his speed receiver was jailed, and his head coach was fired, he found a way to lead the Raiders to the playoffs. Herbert is a, a megastar in the makings. Patrick Mahomes is one of the all-time great talents at the quarterback position. And here's Russell Wilson. I don't want to hear anyone say, well, he made a mistake wanting to go to the AFC West. That's not how quarterbacks are wired. It's as simple as that. And look, I'm, I'm thrilled for the Broncos fans who earlier in the day yesterday had to deal with the news that Aaron Rodgers is staying in in Green Bay, which, by the way, subscribers to the Adam Shine podcast know that it all started when Rodgers was on our podcast first week in January. And Aaron Rodgers said, Adam, the grass is greener where you water it. And he talked about that improved relationship with Brian Gunekis. And bam, the Adam Shine podcast and the Rodgers comments made national news. Because Rodgers was telling you he was likely to stay with the Green Bay Packers. So once that happened, and Pat McAfee broke that on uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio. It was right towards the end of our show on Tuesday. I said, look, it's real simple. Broncos need to go out and get Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. And then, bam, a couple hours later, the deal is done. So that was a major win for Seattle. Whether Seahawks fans want to admit it or not, major win for Russ, major win for the Broncos, and a major win for me. And at the end of the day, I love me. Mike Florio is the featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and he joins us next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. This is Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback Doug Flutie. I'm excited to tell you that my podcast, the Flutie Flakes Cast, is back for the entire football season. I may have played like 21 years of professional football in three different leagues, but I'm still just a big kid and I absolutely love this game. 
Every week, we'll talk about the topics I care about and bring on super fun guests. So please subscribe today, wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, include it with most subscriptions. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, one of my favorite guys in the industry, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk is nice enough to give us a few minutes and he has an unbelievable new book out. Mike, how are you? Doing great, Adam. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the kind words and uh, an exciting time on the NFL calendar and my personal calendar as I am angst ridden with the prospect that number one, nobody's going to buy the book and number two, those who do will hate it. So thank you for the opportunity to convince people otherwise. (laughs) Listen, Mike, anything that you touch turns to gold. I appreciate the angst because I'm the same way when you do something new or do something different and Listen, I I think that Playmakers is going to be a hit. It's incredible. New book, Playmakers, How the NFL Really Works and Doesn't. And the first thing I want to get into with you, the name of the book. When I saw you were writing a book, I said, oh, I'm in. Then I saw the name, I said, oh, that's ironic. And then I realized, no, that was on purpose. Take everybody through the name of the book. Well, this is addressed in the introduction to the book. And since it's a look back at the last 20 years in the NFL through a series of stories, scandals, controversies, other examples that may not at first blush seem to be all that important. But when you understand how it was handled, you develop some greater truth about how the NFL operates. One of the interesting stories of the past 20 years is the show that was on ESPN called Playmakers. And it was critically acclaimed. It was a rating success. It was the first scripted show ever on ESPN. And the NFL didn't like it. And the NFL is the one industry in which the phrase, the customer is always right, does not apply. Because the supply is so limited, the customer can be wrong. And the customer can be told, if you do things we don't like, we're not going to sell to you anymore. And that's precisely what Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner of the NFL at the time, did. And he made no bones about it. He said that playmakers does not accurately depict life in the NFL, and they pressured ESPN as a broadcast partner of the NFL to cancel it, and they did. So, yes, the title of Playmakers is an homage to the failed show and also, in a roundabout way, (laughs) an impish desire by me to, to let the NFL know that even though I work for a broadcast partner, I'll call it Playmakers if I want to. Yeah, I believe me that that went noted on on every single level. And, you know, I'd like to think we all are like, you know, wine, you know, we get more fine and better with age. I mean, you know, maybe my taste in TV or my wife's taste in TV has changed as we get older. But I thought the show was excellent. I mean, if, if Playmakers was on HBO Max, right, you know, I think it would have been a, a critically acclaimed celebrated hit. So I loved it in real time. And by the way, you look at the 20 years that have happened, you know, since that show was canceled. And let's be honest, you know, crazy things have happened in the National Football League that would have absolutely been built for Playmakers. But but I digress. My- hey, no, Adam, let me say this, because yeah. I went back and watched the whole series. It's available on YouTube if you can find it. I have said before, and I firmly believe that Paul Tagliabue's assessment was accurate because the inaccurate depiction of life in the NFL was too tame. It was too tame. It didn't go far yeah. enough. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You rewatched it. I mean, there were some wild scenes, right? There were some crazy things that happened. You think about the last 20 years, last two decades in the NFL. 
I mean, they could have taken that thing, Mike, to a whole different level. Playmakers is based on 20 years, and I, I, I've been dismayed by all the other interesting things that have happened since the manuscript locked last year. I convinced them to let me add a John Gruden chapter. There were four blank pages that were going to be in the book that we have otherwise commandeered for a John Gruden chapter after what happened to him in October. But whether it's Urban Meyer, whether it's Brian Flores, there's so much that's happened. I feel like Playmakers 2 could be based on two years, not two decades. But it really is amazing because things were calm for a while for the NFL. But it just seems like post-pandemic, they have slipped back into this controversy a minute routine. And uh, yeah, it's that, that's one of the sources of my angst because I wish I could have added chapters to it all the way up until next Wednesday when it's published. Okay, now I am on record forever saying that the Flategate was an absolute disgrace. It's a sham. I, no matter what anyone thinks about the Patriots or Belichick or Brady or the Kraft family, I think they got screwed. I think they got strung through the mud. I think it was one of the most unfortunate, unfair, ugly investigations ever. I can't believe Tom Brady was suspended for this. I mean, it will always drive me wild. What you wrote in Playmakers about the Flategate, I thought was fascinating, spot on, brilliant, breathtaking, all rolled into one. Take me and the audience through what you were able to ascertain about the Flategate and just kind of how crazy that whole thing was. Yeah, my editor, Ben Adams, challenged me to try to get some new information on as many of these old stories as I could. And I told him, it's not like these things weren't covered exhaustively at the time. This isn't going to be the easiest thing to do. But with Deflategate, I really tried hard to find some new things. And there were some unanswered questions there. And I think on the front end, Adam, it became a curiosity when Bob Kravitz reported the night after the AFC championship played in January 2015 that the NFL was looking at the footballs or something like that. It became a hashtag. It became a controversy when Chris Mortensen reports 11 of the 12 Patriots footballs were underinflated by two or more pounds. That's when we all stopped and said, uh-oh, somebody cheated. Somebody did something wrong. We just don't know who did it, how deep the rabbit hole goes, how involved anyone was, who knew about it, how did it all come to be? Because it wasn't accidental at that point. Well, that turned out to be a false report. But it put the wheels in motion to create what ultimately was the conclusion that they had cheated, that someone, Tom Brady or whoever, had engineered the reduction of the air in the balls. And one of the things I found out, because we never knew who the source was, and Chris Mortensen wanted to give up his source. You can't do that. Even if you get burned by your source, you can't give up your source. Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations, who admitted during the litigation over the Tom Brady suspension, that he wasn't aware of even the mere existence of the ideal gas law. He's the one that gave the false information to Chris Mortensen. Now, I don't know if he did it deliberately. I don't know if there was a mistake. I don't know if there was an accident. But the bottom line is the real numbers were not. The, what, what kills the NFL in this and what should have resulted in a final conclusion, Adam, that the evidence isn't sufficient to conclude that there was cheating the numbers are not out of line with what they would have been given the atmospheric conditions that day. There was never glaring evidence of cheating, apart from all the questions about how well the experiment was conducted and whether or not it was it, the numbers they harvested do not cry out cheating. 11 to 12 footballs, two pounds under cries out cheating. The numbers they actually had does not suggest that there was cheating. 
Mike, looking at it in real time, I, I couldn't believe, and I felt like I was incredulous every day on the radio that this was actually a thing. Like, it just, it never made sense. And look, we love conversation. We're in the opinion business. We're in the buzz business. I, I just, I could not believe it. Was there a point in doing your research now for the book where you said to yourself, wow, the, the NFL could have put a stop to this, but they just they just let this thing go down this this slippery slope, this rabbit hole, and it just, frankly, it, it became an omnipresent story that they could never get away from. Well, and it all goes back to the beginning when Ryan Grigson, who was then the general manager of the Colts, made the complaint based on a tip from the Ravens that the Patriots keep their footballs underinflated Grigson made the complaint to the league office. And I've had people explain to me over the years that how that would have been handled under past regimes, Paul Tagliabue, Pete Rozelle, definitely. If a call like that is made, the commissioner gets all the principals on the phone and says, we're aware of this allegation. You're on notice, Patriots, that we're aware of this allegation. We're going to be watching. We're going to be looking. We don't care about what's already happened. But if you screw around in the future, we're going to get you instead of setting up this clumsy trap where Dequell Jackson intercepts the football. They check it on the sideline, which technically was a violation, but nobody ever cared about that. And then the wheels are put in motion to nail the Patriots. It was all operating from a premise of proving that the Patriots were cheating and working backwards later to prove it. And a long time ago, I got a scientific background. I studied engineering and I still don't know how I managed to get a degree. But one thing that I learned when you do experiments, you never think about where it's leading. You never try to engineer it to a certain point. You do your experiment. The findings are what they are. You draw your conclusions from that. You don't do your experiment trying to nudge it all toward an ending point that you want, which is exactly what the NFL did. They wanted to come to the conclusion that the Patriots were cheating. It's just crazy when you stop and think about it. You know, I had heard when Patrick Mahomes was coming out of college that there were three teams that absolutely positively loved him. The Arizona Cardinals, the New York Giants, and the New Orleans Saints. Now, obviously, there were others. You know, Kansas City makes the trade up. Others that maybe I'm not even aware of. Mike McCarthy was Mike McCarthy was all in on it too. Not that he was going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, but he was all in on Mahomes too. Wow, I did not know that. I know Mike very well. I had no idea about that with with Patrick Mahomes. That's interesting. So tell me what you were able to unearth about the New Orleans Saints' interest in Patrick Mahomes. Well, and and Sean Payton recently told this story to GQ magazine, which made me say, gee, thanks a lot. Couldn't you have waited a month or so? But I kind of liked it because it legitimized the reporting. I mean, at least it shows that I didn't just go engage in creative writing for four months when I was putting the book together. But what happened was, number one, Sean Payton loved Patrick Mahomes, worked him out privately, was just blown away by Patrick Mahomes, blown away by Alvin Kamara that same draft year as well. They got Kamara in round three, but was blown away by Mahomes, the best quarterback prospect he'd ever seen. And they're holding spot number 11 in round one. And the picks are going because because the people who really loved Mahomes, Adam, kept their mouths shut. Yep. What happened was the draft experts never had him. Remember that year? We didn't really know who the best quarterback That's was. That's a great point. It wasn't yeah. a consensus. And if you keep your mouth shut, because I don't want to take anything away from the fine work that the people in the draft industry do, but they rely a lot on what they're hearing. 
from what the teams like when they finish their boards. So if you've got coaches, respected coaches who secretly covet Patrick Mahomes and they're not saying anything, Patrick Mahomes isn't the top quarterback for Mel Kuyper, Mike Mayock, Todd McShay, whoever else. So Mahomes is dropping. No one's alarmed like when Johnny Manziel was dropping. It's like, well, we don't know. Mitchell Trubisky's been picked and more quarterbacks are going to come. Deshaun Watson was the guy we thought would be the second quarterback, frankly. But as they get closer and closer to 11, the Saints are realizing we may have a shot at Mahomes here. Now, the way Peyton tells the story, it's a little more politically correct, I think. And it's based on, well, if Marshawn Lattimore had been picked, we would have taken Mahomes. I think they were taking Mahomes if Mahomes was there at number 11. And the complicating factor that I just loved, and Peyton admitted this, while they're in the draft room, it just so happens Drew Brees has some friends in the building, and Drew and his friends <laughs> wander amazing. in as they're creeping toward number 11 and getting ready to draft Patrick Mahomes. And Peyton's like, oh, crap. We probably should let Drew know there's a chance we're going to be taking a quarterback. And the other thing that makes that – now, we know it's true because Peyton has said it. But what makes that more plausible in context, Drew Brees has previously told us on PFT Live, back when he was deciding what to do with his career, 2017 was the year he was thinking about retiring. They had gone through some tough years. Yeah. No playoffs, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, tough lean years where they were fighting to be relevant again. He was approaching 2017 as if it was going to be potentially his last year. All the more reason for Sean Payton to act on this infatuation with Patrick Mahomes. But uh, obviously, it, it wasn't to be. But uh, it came within one pick of the Saints. You know, we talk about how stunned Aaron Rodgers was two years ago. Oh, man. When, when he found out by watching it on TV that they'd taken Jordan Love. If Breeze wasn't in the building, Breeze wasn't going to get a text. As, as, as I understand it, they were just going to let nature take its course and they explained it to him later. The only reason they explained it to him, Adam, is because he happened to walk into the draft room. That's an amazing story. Mike, do you, in, in all the work you did for Playmakers, do you have a favorite anecdote or, you know, there will be certain headlines from a book and I, you know, I would encourage everyone to read the entire thing. Go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, buy the book, read the entire thing. But do you have a personal favorite anecdote, piece of reporting that maybe you worked on that you said in reading it in the final product, this is great stuff? Well, I know the one piece of information that just blew me away, but that I trusted 100% was the story about how Sean Payton almost became the coach of the Cowboys three years ago. And Look, it would have been a violation of the spirit, if not the letter of the Rooney rule. They worked everything out ahead of time. There was a deal in place for what would have happened was Jason Garrett would have been fired. The Cowboys would have gone through their search and they would have hired Sean Payton through a trade with the Saints eventually. But everything was was set up ahead of time. Anthony Davis, then of the Pelicans, says to Mickey Loomis, who was serving both as GM of the Saints and director of basketball operations for the Pelicans, that he wants out. Mickey Loomis said to Sean at that point, I can't, I can't be the guy who is the common thread between Anthony Davis and Sean Payton wow. leaving New Orleans in the same month. Can't do it. Won't do it. And so Payton later that year signed an extension, and that was the end of it. Until, of course, he resigned from the Saints. The Dolphins have since tried to get permission to talk to Payton. The Saints said no to that. 
And everyone thinks that one year, two years, three years from now, he's going to be the coach of the Cowboys. Although if he gets one of these network jobs and he starts making good money, he may decide life's a lot easier when your existence, when your career is not hinging on the bouncing of a ball, the gust of wind, whether or not an official makes a good call, things you can't control. And you're not up until 2 a.m. every night trying to stay awake to get ready for the next day of work and ultimately the next game. Mike, your career, your career path is one of the most fascinating, remarkable, beautiful, frankly, that I've ever seen in the history of sports media. You know, you just mentioned your degree and, you know, you have a law background and pro football talk. You know, every year when you tweet out, you know, happy anniversary pro football talk, I always like the tweet. I know that sounds funny, but I just have such appreciation for what the site was what it is. I mean, I remember when, you know, Len Pascarelli stealing stories and you're sitting there going at him and I, I couldn't stand when he was doing that, stole a bunch of stuff. I, I mean, I, the, the evolution of pro football talk in your career is, is remarkable. Football Night in America, NBC. What were some of the turning points for you in your career and getting into this line of work and being such an ultimate success? Well, I know early on, a general manager of a team reached out to me and uh, I got to know the person and uh, the person kept saying, you know, everyone's reading this, everyone's reading this, everyone's reading this. And it was in the very early 2002, 2003 time frame. And I never believed it. I never believed it. And eventually I started to get to know more people. And it's like, holy crap. They, they I, like, I have not, I, look, Adam, and, and it's, it's, uh, I don't know if it's conclusive proof of a higher power, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really plan any of this. And I feel like the things that you plan are the things that always fall apart, but it's the stuff that just happens. You know, you, you don't realize you're climbing a mountain until you end up on top of it. And it's like, Oh, that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, but it just kind of happened. And the, the, the obvious moment that, uh, that really, now, when we had a major sponsorship with Sprint in 2006, that was when I kind of knew now that the site's generating real money, one of these days, I don't know how, don't know when, don't know where, I'm going to be done practicing law and I'm going to do this full time. It was three years after that when NBC, which was woefully behind its competitors on the dot-com side, mm-hmm. they didn't have much of a presence on NBCSports.com. It was run by people who had Olympics background and didn't care about football, baseball, basketball, et cetera. Rick Cordella, who's now the chief revenue officer at Peacock, he was in charge of NBCSports.com, and he called me in January 2009, and he made the pitch how he wants to partner with PFT. And I tried to scare him away. I didn't want to do it. I I was telling the the guys that do the Seinfeld podcast, this podcast is making me thirsty. I told them last week that it's got parallels to season four of Seinfeld, where they're having a meeting (laughs) with NBC. Although I did the Costanza thing, you know, this is the show, that's the show. I'm not going to compromise my integrity, blah, blah, blah. I got to have final say over everything or we're wasting everyone's time. And I figured they'd never agree to that. And this is a big company. They can't give some schmuck in West Virginia final say over whatever (laughs) he puts on this website that they're aligned with. And when I finished my spiel, Cordell says, oh, we got no problem with that. And I was like, well, why? now I got to find, I got to find some other way to scare this guy away. And it still took like three or four months before we finally did it. We had some technical issues because our traffic was getting to the point where we couldn't service it. We couldn't, we couldn't keep the doors open and the lights on because there were so many people trying to get in. I knew NBC could handle it. And that's when I decided reluctantly, I didn't want to do it. 13 years later, 
I didn't want to do it. And uh, it ended up being the best professional move I ever made. Ever. And the site is is incredible. And, you know, that really, I mean, you got the book that's out. You know, you, you've got the radio show, uh, the Peacock show with, with Chris Sims, which is, is just incredible. Football Night in America, which is awesome. Did you ever see yourself getting into to radio and TV? Was that always part of the next evolution for you? Or was that also something that kind of just happened? I started doing radio spots very early on, and I loved doing radio spots because I looked at it this way. It was a way to market the business without it being an obvious advertisement. And I yeah. didn't have to pay yeah. for it. Yeah. All I had to do was talk about football for 15 minutes, and whoever happened to listen to it, here's the name of the website four or five times, and maybe they go check it out. And it was great. And I was practicing law at the time, and you have to talk on your feet on a regular basis when you do that. One thing I learned is all the radio that I was doing was actually making me better in court because you learn how to get comfortable operating with no net whatsoever, That's no right. notes. You just got to talk about whatever happens to come out, and you got to sound like you know what you're talking about. And I started going on Dan Patrick's show when he left ESPN. Whenever he would call, I would go on. I've respected Dan, known him, admired his work for years. And he invited me on one time and it went well. It was a good conversation. And it was 2010. I was already with NBC, but I wasn't really on air yet with NBC. I'd been on maybe two or three times, Notre Dame halftime, playoff coverage. I wasn't a regular weekly member and I didn't know where this was all going to go. Dan's people called me July of 2010 and said, uh, oh, yeah, hey, you know, uh, Dan's off next week. Can you come on the show? And I'm like, sure, you know, whoever the, you know, just whoever the replacement host is, just have them call me. They're like, no, 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 you're the host. You're, you're doing, you're, and I, whoa, whoa, time out. It's one thing to talk for 10 minutes, but for three hours, there's no way, there's no way, no how I can do that. But I did it and I was overprepared for it. I had way too many notes and I was scared to death. I had no idea what a hard break was. Let me tell you a quick yep. story. I, I, long story bearable, hard break. And for those, out there who don't understand what the term is, you have a point that you, you have to hit it. It's not, you can't go early, you can't go late. It's typically when it goes to a news update. And if you're listening, you'll hear the 30 second music bed and that's giving everyone the warning that the plug's gonna get pulled soon. And it's always funny to hear someone blow right through the break. <laughs> I've heard people on, and they just, they just keep talking and the plug gets pulled, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you still got more to say. So first hour, first time I, Sat in for Dan Patrick. Went to a studio up in Morgantown because I had an ISDN line. Did, didn't want to take any chances. Drove to Morgantown, sitting in the studio. First hour's over. One hard break an hour. When, when I was on NBC Sports Radio, there were two hard breaks an hour, which is horrible because you got to land the plane twice an hour. Yeah, so we got to hit it exactly right, exactly right at that moment. Got to know when to shut up. Got to know when it's going to the news update. And I wasn't familiar with that concept at the time. I just thought, okay, hard break. I got to be out by 9.58.30. As long as I'm done before then, I'm golden. <laughs> I didn't know you had to take it till then. That's I didn't amazing. know you had to hit it. So, so here's what I do. <laughs> I, I try to throw it a break, and the engineer says, uh, you got to keep going. <laughs> and, and I had the Cindy Brady, you know, the, the, the red course, light. Yeah. Version. It's like, what do I do now? I got to talk for another minute. I got nothing else to say. Oh my God. That, and I'll never forget that. 
And through moments like that, you, you get to the point where, and, and Adam, you've been doing radio forever. You know what it's like. You, you get to a point where you understand, I can talk about anything, anytime, any place. Give me a topic, give me a time limit, and I'll fill it. I'll find a way to fill it, go. And it's moments like that that help teach you how to operate under extreme stress. Nothing like hearing, uh, you, you can't stop now. You got to keep going. <laughs> 60 more so, seconds, please. Yeah. All Another right, minute. Well, I was trying to stop a minute early. I had a whole minute to fill. <laughs> so I love that. As someone who, you know, that's always the first question. If you're doing something new, when's a hard out? You know, when, when I have a, a clock in my home studio, it has to be the exact second, like crazy. Like, got to know exactly. Have that clock in your head. Two minutes. Here we go. Here we go. By the way, Mike, as we're talking, we have some breaking news. Carson Wentz is getting traded to Washington, according to Adam Schefter. How about wow. that? Carson wow. well, look, Wentz getting traded to Washington. It doesn't surprise me, but it tells me that Washington has turned over every rock they could possibly find yep. in an effort to get a quarterback. And this is the best they can do, at least for now. I thought they may be in it for Deshaun Watson. From a PR standpoint, tough sell with everything that's been going on in Washington lately. But doesn't surprise me. Back in the NFC East, I kind of like it. Look, I thought the Steelers would possibly be interested. He's better than Mason Rudolph. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's a low bar. I feel bad because I always bag on. I don't know how you feel about Mason Rudolph, but it, he can't be their starting quarterback. No, under enough. no circumstance can Mason Rudolph be the guy. No. Un, un, unless you're doing a major league thing and you're trying to drive your attendance. To, you know, and and they, are, they had 10% drop last year, Adam, in local yeah. TV viewership. They've got a bunch of no-shows, 8,000 on average. You can't have Mason Rudolph as your quarterback. And I thought Carson Wentz was an option. But, yeah, it tells me that Washington, as we know, called every single team, did everything they can, and it looks like they figured we better jump on Carson Wentz before someone else does. So what's next for Indianapolis here? Because it's one thing to trade Wentz, but, you know, and, and I thought Carson was, look, he was pretty good, I thought, last year. Now, week 18 was a disaster. I could make the case, if you factor in what's at stake, point spread, and who they were playing against, literally the worst team in the league that would have the number one pick in the draft, that's one of the worst regular season losses in NFL history. Seriously. Absolutely. I mean, it's easy to make that case. So what's next at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts? Well, not Russell Wilson. I know there was some reporting suggesting that Jim Ursay was a big fan. and, And I doubt that the Texans would trade Deshaun Watson to Indianapolis. I don't know. Is Jimmy G.? an option for the Colts is Nick Foles an option for the Colts. That's not going to excite a lot of people, but we know what Nick Foles and Frank Reich have done together in the past. Kirk cousins. Would they maybe try to get him? The problem with Kirk cousins is he's got one year left on his contract at a salary of 35 million and a cap figure of 45 million. Unless he agrees to an extension, he's got you over a barrel because you can't tag him next year. He's been tagged twice before by Washington that carries with a guy when he goes somewhere else. So he'd be entitled to a 44% raise over his cap number next year, 64 million plus as his franchise tag figure if he was tagged next year. So I think Cousins would make sense for the Colts. I hadn't really thought about that until just now, but I don't think the Colts would want him without a long-term contract. So they're going to have to find somebody. They surely have something in mind. And we had heard that, that they, specifically Ursay, yep. were done with Carson Done Wentz. with him, yeah. They were done with him. Yeah. But now, now you got to figure out 
You got to figure out your plan. I, and, and it may be connected to one of these other guys. It may be somebody we're not even thinking about. Maybe it's Mitch Trubisky. There's been a lot of buzz about him, but th- th- there's a starting job available. You got an owner who is very determined to make his team a high-end contender. I say Tom Brady facetiously. I still think Brady's coming back. I don't think it's going to be for the Colts, you but I still think San- Brady is coming back. You think it would be San Francisco if he comes back? I think it would be San Francisco. I think, I think he's coming back to the 49ers. I think he retired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's how he wanted us to interpret his Instagram post that thanked pretty much everyone in the Buccaneers organization, snubbed the Patriots, and that yep. created a little bit of a, of a mess for him. The message that day was not, I retire from football. The message that day was, I retire from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We started the podcast with the Russell Wilson trade, and I love what you said last week uh, when Pete Carroll was saying, hey, we have no intention of trading him. I I was stunned, Mike, how many people were stunned by the Russell Wilson trade. I mean, you know, we we kept playing it back. I I said last year, Russell Wilson will be traded by the start of the offseason in 2022, and you know, hey, I'm tooting my own horn, your horn, but I, I couldn't believe more people didn't understand what was going on or read the tea leaves or Russell on record or his agent on record with Adam Schefter last year. Why were so many people stunned that Seattle traded Russell Wilson? To me, to you, it seemed like it was kind of Captain Obvious here. Adam, I don't understand why people who follow the NFL, and maybe you have to follow it to a certain degree like we do to understand this, but I try to explain it to the audience all the time. And I'm sure you do too. There are circumstances where the people talking to us are lying, not because they're congenital liars, like the old John Lovitz character from SNL. They're lying for strategic reasons. They're lying because they have to lie. Now, sometimes they lie more convincingly than others, but when, when you're Pete Carroll and you say, we have no intention to trade Russell Wilson, you're not lying. You're signaling, just like Rick Spielman did nine years ago. And this was the example I used. We have no intent to trade Percy Harvin. I still have fun with Rick about that. Three days later, they traded into the Seahawks. So Seahawks coach Pete Carroll is the one who's saying no intent to trade Russell Wilson. That means make us an offer. Because if a guy truly is untouchable and you ask him, hey, are you trading Russell Wilson? The answer is, how did you get in here? How did you get a credential? Are you nuts? Are you drunk? We're never trading this guy. You know, we we joked about that with uh, Josh Allen because a few years ago, Sims has heard, and we've talked about it on PFT Live, that the Seahawks were considering trading Russell Wilson to the Browns for the first overall pick, and they would have taken Josh Allen. Well, now they got all these assets. They can call the bills about Josh Allen, and they're they're not (laughs) going to say in Buffalo, we have no intent to trade Josh Allen. They're going to say, please leave you are crazy. Josh Allen's our guy. We are never trading him. So the evidence was there. And I'm kind of glad he got traded so we could remind people when they say no intent, that's the strongest clue you're ever going to get that a guy really is available. Whether he's traded or not, he's definitely available. Mike, you're the best. I I just I think the world of, of you, what you do on NBC, Pro Football Talk, what you've done in your career playmakers is going to be the latest mike florio hit how the nfl we'll see. don't jinx me don't I, jinx me Adam it's a guarantee. just like i was right about russell wilson it's going to be i'm going to be right about about playmakers how the hey NFL. you and i it sounds like you and i have and i know that you're, you're trying to land the plane the music bed's not playing yet though <laughs> uh, uh the the ability 
to find things to worry about. That may be the one thing we have the most in common because this whole book experience, I'm telling you, I'm worried about stuff I didn't even know I should be worried about. So I'll be glad. I'll be glad when it's over. However it plays out, I'll be glad when it's over. Everyone's going to buy it. Everyone's going to read it. Playmakers, it's incredible. Mike, as always, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. See you, pal. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Mike Florio, how great was that? Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners on Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer of the Adam Shine Podcast, the great Bob Stew. The associate producers, Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Sound design by my guy, Robert Moore. And special thanks to SiriusXM Senior, Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the iconic Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.